Welcome to the Little Red Village podcast, produced by Little Red Fashion. CEO Jonathan Joseph and head historian Rachel Elspeth Gross are about to take you on a journey through the ins and outs of fashion, tugging at the threads of how it all works straight from the people who make it happen. Let's join them for today's episode. Today's interview was a serious educational experience for me. I am a total novice for all things comic book, video game, but still, I'm so excited to share this with you. Nightmage, who is Deputy Sheriff Michael Wilson during the work week, is an internationally known, award-winning cosplayer. In addition to having built more than 120 costumes based off of characters from comic books, video games, TV, movies, he's also been the recipient of the Presidential Volunteer Service Award for his philanthropic work. If you're obsessed with a character from a very specific niche universe, it's very likely that Michael, as Nightmage, has recreated it. And after he did, that he got some of his equally talented friends to make their own cosplay costumes. And then they found people who do special effects and set something up and the whole thing was photographed. You have to look him up if you've not seen his work. I really don't know how to describe it. Michael has some really helpful tips and tricks, both for people who want to try cosplay and for those who are already very experienced. He believes it should be fun, centered on community and not a hobby that breaks the bank. On top of all of that, Michael is probably one of the most compassionate people that I've ever had the pleasure of speaking to. He's humble, but it's not fake. I think we maybe embarrassed him a little when Jonathan and I tried to explain the meaning and the depth we see in what he does and how much his cosplay work must mean to children. We weren't trying to suck up. It was just honest admiration for this man who every time posts a photograph He's breaking down barriers, making the idea of DIYing costumes more accessible, more inclusive. Michael, please know, we hope that you get used to the praise and to the endless questions that people like Jonathan and myself have for you about what you do, how and why you do it. Your work is changing the world for the better, and we think people should know that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Little Fashion Podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Joseph, with my comrade in arms, Rachel Elspeth Gross. And for those of you who are cosplay fans and follow the Instagram, you will know that we are talking to Night's Mage. Hello. Hello. We're so excited to have you here to talk to us. I mean, we've had costume designers we've talked to. We've talked to people who restore or who work in museums with fashion. We've talked to designers and hairdressers, but cosplay is something that crosses a lot of boundaries and kind of dips its toes in different barriers. And I've been reading a lot about you this week. I I love No, it's good. I love the idea that you don't have to spend a ton of money, that you it's about the experience and it's about the impression. It's not about the perfectly, Definitely. absolutely yeah. finished everything. That's, that's kind of actually me in a nutshell. You kind of nailed it. <laughs> well, I think it's so helpful. One of the things we've really had like as be a common theme in these interviews is we've been hearing a lot from the people who've talked to us about breaking projects down or making them into more digestible portions, which is something I think really helps children, right? It doesn't have to be the grand whole thing right now. But there's also a lot of value in finding a project that you love, that gets an impact out of your people, your surroundings, your community, that doesn't like suck up every resource you have. So how did you get get there? I think with cosplay, I mean, it's a growing industry, right? I mean, and right now it's, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger. 
when I first started, it was kind of just hitting that that point where people were starting to notice people were like more people were starting to go to conventions and stuff. Every cosplayer I talked to, it really started with them with like Halloween. And the same thing with me. Like, you know, we all just love Halloween. We all love just dressing up for Halloween, being a different person. And then you discover conventions. You discover that there's this whole community of like-minded people where there's no judgment. There's no, or you can just be yourself, you know, and, and, and put a costume on and, and, and celebrate your fandom together. And it's just amazing. The progression, though, is always interesting because, like I said, when I first started, my first costume was John Stewart Green Lantern. And my girlfriend helped me sew that together and, you know, went out to the bars and had fun and stuff. And I started doing charity events and then I discovered conventions and I discovered there was this whole community of people who just like handmade their costumes from armor to sewing to just, just crazy elaborate, you know, stuff you see in movies and stuff. And I didn't know that was possible really like my whole thing was like okay you just go to party on or spirit halloween and you buy a costume and that's it you know i didn't know there was this whole little community of people making these costumes however now it's crazy because thinking i made that john stewart green lantern costume back in 2012 if i wanted to do like a my, my dream cosplay is a, like a nine foot voltron costume right I wouldn't have ever thought about trying to do that like then. However, now in 2022, if you know someone said that that was that was their dream cosplay and they've never done anything, I would say, yeah, absolutely, you could do it right now. Like the way the progression of cosplay and how you can make these costumes on on a budget, the sky is really honestly is the limit. And that's one thing I really love is that. Anyone, any kind of skill level can get into this and just go, it's a rabbit hole, basically, you know, and exactly, there's, there's honestly, there's no limit to what you can or want to do. It's just, it's the tutorials are out there, the resources are out there, the cosplayers are out there, we're vain, we're very vain people, so we want to tell you about how to make things and how to do things, so honestly, getting into it right now is probably one of the best times to get into it i wish honestly i could say i never got into it like years ago and i started now because mm -hmm. I, I i would just have so much more fun now with the resources i have you know what i mean i mean I, right. I i i love that i got into it when i did because i learned so much you know just trial and error but I just, I envy the, the kids oh, yeah. today that, that are getting into it now, you know? Sorry, it makes sense. There's opportunities that exist because and in spite of COVID. And I can see how as the world emerges, there's going to be a lot of reasons. Yeah, and actually, I really, I, I kind of, one thing I liked about the COVID timeline, it kind of forced people to be a little bit more creative. So there wasn't conventions going on. So there wasn't in-person type of stuff. So you had to rely on TikTok and instagram and just kind of showing your work through social medias so you have to get really interesting and, and kind of really creative with how you display the costumes and stuff and so that's when you get all the cool transitions and stuff like that and that in itself the whole influencer like community to me that's that in itself is like a, a niche you know what i mean like it, it it's to me that's amazing like you have you have a cosplayer who can create a costume from scratch and it's amazing but then you have an influencer who can make a costume maybe the craftsmanship isn't there but they really know how to do like video editing and they know how to 
special effects in that type of world. And, you know, to me, that that itself is art form. So it, uh, the yeah, whole it thing kind of the different pathways to, to cosplay, for sure. I have not cosplayed. I just discovered Warbla, which is, like, blowing my mind. Many moons ago, I used to co-host, like, nights at Webster Hall and do the whole club kid thing. Asterisk, not the horrible thing you think about when you think about that from the movies and all that. <laughs> but dressing up in crazy costumes, not necessarily real characters, but definitely fantastical things. And I'm like, wow. I wish I had discovered Warbler then, because that would have just, that was, that would have been mind-blowing. So I definitely pick up what you're putting down in terms of wanting to have discovered a little bit earlier, for sure. Yeah. Um, and you, you already answered one of our favorite questions that we usually ask on the podcast is, you know, what is your earliest fashion memory? And I was going to say, what was your first cosplay? But you beat me to it. So I will ask, you know, in the similar vein, what was the first costume when you were a kid that you put on and you were like, this is awesome. Like, what was your favorite costume as a kid? I remember it to this day. It was Gizmo from Gremlins. I remember, I specifically remember it because it was one of those cheap Halloween, you know, store Halloween costumes, a plastic mask. It used to cut into your face. And... Yeah. Oh man, it smelled, yeah, it smelled weird. Mm-hmm. And it was a really hot October day, and we had we had like a little parade at school. And I remember dressing up as Gizmo. I thought it was all cute, and I was so hot in the costume because they didn't breathe, and my nose started bleeding. I was powering through. It was just, oh no. It, it, yeah, it ended up being a terrible experience, but oh. that's this like the earliest memory of me, you know, loving to dress up. And yeah, Gizmo from Gremlins. And it didn't ruin the experience. Maybe that particular day was awful, but the love was still there. The the need to make something, maybe I don't know, make a better mask, make one that fits better, doesn't. <laughs> the crazy thing is, like thinking about it, like I was never a creative kid. You know, I never got into art or anything like my foray into art was my brother i guess my brother was a fantastic artist and i used to watch him draw ninja turtles and Mm. i I used to watch him draw marvel characters and stuff like he was fantastic i I used to actually like steal some of his his drawings and take them to school but oh yeah i drew this you know like i could draw a stick figure man you know that's about it but watching him draw that kind of inspired me a lot to like i guess that that was that was my creative outlet is watching him, but now even you know making costumes, I think about him and just how creative he was. And he stopped drawing like a long time ago, but I I don't know. I just kind of I guess maybe some of it just kind of carried over to me, and I just kind of keep that legacy, I guess. But he was the one that really kind of made me appreciate art as far as like fashion. I didn't really start to appreciate like the fashion and, and craftsmanship aspect of it until until I discovered cosplay and until I discovered conventions and, and how people have their own interpretation of these characters. You know, so I've I've kind of really grown into the idea of how cosplay is really just like your fan art of a character. And I always use this as a description mm-hmm. as you know, you take Batman. Batman has been seen and drawn 10,000 different ways depending on the artist, director, actor, whatever it is. He's been seen so many different ways. It's just their interpretation. So cosplayers, we're directors and artists in our own right. We're just having our interpretation of the character. So when I do a character, 
my my job as a cosplayer is not to duplicate someone else's you know vision of this character. My job is to make you believe that the character really honestly always looked like me. So I you know once I started oh black you know, Batman's not black. Well, how come Batman can't be black on Earth number nine hundred ninety nine? You know what I mean? That that uh, I I that's kind of another thing like why cosplay is really disguised the limit. There's no wrong way to do it. And that's what I love about it. Right. You could have twenty people do the same character and get twenty interpretations and exactly version. Yeah, and that and no one's right, no one's wrong. It's literally just your version and, and we all just come together just because we love that character and that's what it's about. So you taught yourself to sew as an adult, or did you learn to sew? YouTube. That's YouTube. YouTube. So yeah, like I said, my girlfriend, she's a seamstress. She's the one who taught me how to pretty much sew. There Again, like, I wish I could have started now. There's so many tutorials out there. Anything you want to learn how to do, you can get your doctorate on YouTube. <laughs> Anything you want to learn is there. I was lucky enough, like I said, my girlfriend taught me how to sew, and my one friend this fantastic airbrush artist. So he's the one who taught me how to actually airbrush and paint and taught me the whole color wheel. And just that a lot of his teachings I still use today. Using foam and, and makeup, trial and error. A lot of it is self-taught. A lot of it is, is just watching other people do it and just trying to imitate that and then putting your own spin on it, finding out what works for you. Because honestly, if I, I could teach you about thermoplastic, but the way I use thermoplastic, and you ask five other different people, they're going to, you're going to get you know, six different answers. It's honestly going to be about what works for you. And again, there's no wrong way. So it's, yeah, trial and error. And, and I found glue. kind of what works for me. And hot glue. I read that you do nothing. <laughs> I mean, I feel the same way about like moshi or like shifting my fabric closet. It's embarrassing. So <laughs> we all have our things. But we all, that. Yeah, I mean, we all have our things. Oh, hot glue, yeah. Hot glue is like, it's like number one. Yeah, it's my big Put some Windex on it. It's just hot glue. I, I, you know, honestly, a lot of people, and listen, I have no qualms with like hot glue fabric. If I don't feel like sewing something, hot glue is you know, done. I mean, obviously, you have your you have your areas in the community where that's like taboo. You just don't do that type of things. But then again, you know, you have the areas where it's just like, listen, I got to get this done. I don't care. But, you know, it depends on what it's going for. And I, I tell people I'm a, I'm a 10 foot rule cosplayer most of the time where that means is 10 feet away. I look amazing. <laughs> 10 feet away. I look amazing in photos. I look awesome. Do not come 10 inches. Do not come 10 inches looking at seams and stuff because you're going to find imperfections. And I do that specifically because I'm just making it for fun. You know, if it's, if, if it's a competition, I'm, I'm trying to do it for a contest or I'm doing it for a video game company or something like that. I'm going to put a little bit more effort into it, a little bit more time, a little bit more money. I'm going to slow down. But if it's something that I'm just going to wear for six hours and then throw in my why? closet and not think about it for 10 months why and it makes sense you had said something a few minutes ago about like why can't there be a person of color being batman like why not there's no reason and i've seen photographs of children walking up to you with like awe in their faces and one of like the real tenants of our company one of the things that we really believe in 
is representation and expanding like the fashion industry concept of what beauty means. And obviously there's gender assigned with that, but it's it, beauty can also mean a lot of things. And your pictures are beautiful and seeing the way that you move people is, is beautiful. We always like to ask, is there any particular book that you love or like or means something to you? Kids book, grown up book? You know, man, that's tough. I've actually never been asked that. Never been asked that. A particular book, no. One thing I have noticed, though, and which is awesome, there's a lot of cosplayers now that are starting to put, put out their own books. Like, I mean, obviously, everyone knows, like, Yaya Han, but April, April Gloria, I believe, has one. Amanda, she's going to kick my butt because I can't think of her last name. She has one. Casey Renee. No, it's yeah, really Kimberly Cosplay has a, a few. But a lot of cosplayers are actually putting their knowledge in print. And that's awesome. So a lot of their stuff is great. As far as inspirational type of book, no, I actually I don't have any. What about a comic book? Is there a comic book? That was book my next remember? thought. So not a comic book, but a character that I, it's not weird to say like idolize, but I kind of. Resonate with? I resonate with in a sense of, it's so kind of cheesy and cliche, but it's like Superman. Superman is my all-time favorite character, and it's because, in, in a nutshell, he is just a representation of what we should be. He is a representation of what we could be. And the fact that he doesn't have to do what he does, but he still does it, even though we hate him for it because he's an alien and we don't trust him. And he's, you know, he's that outcast, but he still does the right thing. That, to me, I don't know, is just... It gives me goosebumps every time I think of Superman. That's wonderful. I One of my favorite things in the whole wide world is people who do work, not because they have to, but because no, they makes have perfect to, sense. if that makes sense. And I don't know, you might understand this experience, but I will get an idea in my head for my work. And the only way to get it out like of cycling is to make it. And I think of it kind of like exorcism, which is a little weird, but there's something really beautiful in being able to turn something in your head into a real tangible, the photos are great. That's the same thing with fashion and, and cosplay is, listen, there's, again, there's no wrong way to cosplay if you want to go and buy a costume and, and, and do that, that's fine. But truthfully, there's something powerful in seeing like something that you made by hand, you're like, wow, I did that. Like, I never thought I could make this. I never thought I could look like this in this photo. You know, man, it's just it's Absolutely. so and there's in such so a common ways. between that feeling for, I think, a lot of cosplayers and really also is. for people in the drag community who, you know, that transformative process, and especially, I think, for trans-identifying individuals, definitely that process of being able to actualize and overcome, or at least temporarily, as some feelings of dysphoria or things like this, like, that's so powerful. And it's something that I think carries through to even just everyday fashion is this idea of using adornment or what we put on our bodies to help inform how we feel about ourselves within those bodies. Such a powerful vehicle, I think, for understanding and for what brings us together rather than what marks us as a part. One of the biggest things in, in cosplay and, and probably just fashion period and just looking at yourself is just body dysmorphia. We kind of look at ourselves, we're our own worst critics, you know what I mean? And Sometimes putting a costume on, putting makeup on, you you look at yourself in a totally different light and you're just like, okay, well, I am beautiful. 
or, or wow, I do have, you know, I do have this confidence, you know, and I, I'm not gonna lie, like I'm, I'm before cosplay, I was a very, very, very introverted type of person. Even with the day job, I've noticed with cosplay, it's brought up my confidence. Like I have no problem speaking a room of 10,000 people, you know, before cosplay, I, no, not, not doing it, but it, it does bring out a sense of confidence in you and, and that's just amazing. It is amazing. And yeah, I mean, clothing is armor. Clothing is decoration. Clothing is communication. It can be protest. It can be support. It can be so many different things. And Jonathan and I could rant forever. We've talked to this a thousand times, but like clothing also gets dismissed. It's, it's only trivial or it's only excessive or it's only about the price point or the name of the person who made it. But for like all of humanity, it's been like intrinsically linked to everything. And what you just described, the ability to change how you feel by changing your clothes. I think something we've all probably experienced, right? Like in a dressing room, even if it wasn't like a making thing, you know, little kids who want to do that, that's what we want to do. We want to help them turn that into a career. And a when you were a kid, you would put like sunglasses on, right? And you would just feel invisible and you, mm. you felt like, okay, I, I'm better now. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing, man. Like when you put an article of clothing on, it just might sit right on your chest and you're just like, ooh, wait, <laughs> you know, or you, you, know, you put a costume on and when I'm in the, like, when I'm a villain specifically, but the, the Grinch, really, I just have a little bit more arrogance about myself. I can be a little bit more free to say certain things and do certain things, you know what I mean? And then it just translates later on into your, when you're not in costume, mm -hmm. it just, it definitely adds a little bit to I think it often it helps you, you express are. a one of the yeah, facets of who you are that you were previously keeping in that is now out that has been externalized and embodied Absolutely. which i think is such a big part of like the neurocognitive benefit and developmental benefit of cosplay of fashion in general Oh yeah, especially for kids. For anyone listening who's really into this stuff, you can Google Dr. John Karen. She's a fashion psychologist who talks a lot about this, like dressing for and, and reviewing our relationship to clothing and fashion style and embodiment and all of that through that psychological lens, because it really is very powerful. And I think you really touched on a very salient point for anyone listening, kid, adults, anyone. And kids try on identities the same way that adults try on identities. I mean, I could put on a different color of lipstick and feel different about myself. I remember being a child and I will embarrass myself here and tell you I was in the Renaissance Club and that's the closest that I've become to anything. Like, I mean, I make costumes, historic costumes. I, I recreate stuff from like the 19th, 19th century, but oh, wow. I definitely was a 14 year old nerd and like, you know, a turtle and <laughs> but I, it's the same kind of thing you're describing. It's a group experience, right? It's a bunch of people who all love it, who made the time, had to be there. It's, I don't know, it's the community thing I'm hearing from you. And I love that and expanding that. And well, I think is so important. Community is the, is the key. It's, a, I, I keep saying the cosplay community, but it really, honestly, I never, honestly, really thought about it as just like a fashion community, but I guess it really honestly is because you can encompass like the Renaissance fairs and reenactors and, and everything. But yeah, so pretty much it's a very social community, like pretending to be someone else or dressing up or just being flamboyant in your, in your fashion, whatever it is. It's a very social community, right? Full of socially awkward people 
<laughs> but we all understand each other and that we all get it and that's why we all are comfortable with it and we're all like okay we can be ourselves I mean that's at the heart of why I started Little Red Fashion was to make that circle bigger because of those feedback loops between the mind state and when you're embodying that that facet of yourself and your everyday life because that's what builds empowered kids and it's so much easier if we try and are intentional to build empowered kids rather than fix broken adults later yeah, I would that's like to not have to explain it all Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the goals. <laughs> mm, you got your work cut out for you, that. Oh, man, that's... that's like, I, I, It's funny because if you would have told me... I'm, I'm 43 years old. If you would have told me at 20-something that in 20 years I'll be dressing as Elvira, <laughs> you know what I mean? I would have I would have slapped you in the face. You know what I mean? Like... But here I am having the time of my life and loving it and, and, and actually, yeah, seeing kind of the impact that me doing it has on other people, man, it's amazing. And I, I, I don't know, I just, I, I hope that, you know, what we're doing, like with this and, and what people see with us, cosplayers and stuff, I hope that it is inspiring other people, younger generation to say, man, listen, I can... I can do that too. And I want to do that too. I want to explore, you know, my interests and stuff and not have to worry about. And have access you know, that to, judgment. again, like the black hole of YouTube or like Little Red Fashion and our books. You know, it's, it's about access points, license to explore, and then having the wealth of resources right there so they can just dive in. So actually, I want to know sure. more about this book. I, uh, first of all, we're obviously going to send you a copy. Mm -hmm. So you can have an hour your email. But the little red dress is the story of one red dress named Michelle. That's her style name. As she goes from sketch to sample to runway to showroom, navigating her life. So we had it hand-painted during the lockdown. I art-directed it with our amazing illustrator in Zurich. Sylvan Borer was very important to me to honor the craft and history of fashion illustration as well. I'm trying to balance, you know, fashion illustration abstraction with something whimsical and imaginative and playful that kids can still understand. And so here, here is Michelle as she's being fitted, as it's being fitted on the fit model. And it's a rhyming story. I love a good rhyme. I did not get an overpriced degree in English literature focused on Shakespeare to not rhyme as a kids book author, clearly. Being cut, you know, in the showroom, obviously, the little red dress category to showroom. How she and uh, she has to be. I, and then I we have the bargain between the little red dress and another dress. So takes has their debut moment on the Paris runway to much acclaim on pages like this where you'll see this little bar in about six weeks we will be well six weeks from the recording date of this episode so not necessarily mm -hmm. air it we will be dropping the augmented reality so you'll be able to download the little red fashion app on your phone and pop up the camera and point it at certain pages in the book and they will come alive and they will be you know you get to watch Hiki the model wear the dress down the runway and there'll be some interactive elements that'll lead to some other fashion historical context about things like the Battle of Versailles and the importance of the black model for kids that are six to eight. And what we found is that really, oh, like, wow. that's the perfect age to start making things, again, like interactive and you get better retention rates for kids who've been interacting with digital titles, especially if they have learning disabilities like myself, like ADHD. Here's Michelle's address, a little existential, I'm getting knocked off crisis. And so we've gone <laughs> from the runway to a party to a photo shoot. At one time. Yeah. And oh. then she goes, hey, in a box for a while. And then... 
many years later is unboxed after her second existential crisis because <laughs> she doesn't know what she's doing in this box for so long and she was longing to be free and one day she becomes free and then gets repaired and then goes to a consignment store and then gets discovered by a fashion curator from the museum down the street who restores some of her beating back at the museum and then boom she's on exhibition for all to see to inspire so I'm that's awesome story of the little red dress and you know when i was consulting in the fashion space it really all started because my client at the time that i was consulting to so we were talking one fashion week getting his collection ready and we were just going back and forth about like oh man clothes like lead all this crazy life that's like not we don't think about it from their perspective like what is it like for a dress to like go through this whole process that is fashion and like the life cycle of a garment and of course i'm going back on the train and i'm just like doodling on my phone and i started doodling this like first iteration of a little red dress which i included in the book on this page so this is actually the sketch that i a rendering of the sketch that i did i didn't know that on the that's subway. magical oh my god yeah so that's i love easter eggs i'm very big on easter the easter eggs the in the book there's a couple love more them. that i'm not gonna go into right now just to keep it a secret but there mm -hmm. are a couple more but that's one of them you know i realized through the book that i had an opportunity to show a world of fashion that was inclusive that does have someone in a you know wheelchair at the runway that showcases passively you know a, a black technical designer whose name is cody and he will be appearing everyone that you see sort of tangentially in this book or in some some way does make appearances throughout little red fashion universe so we have our whole suite of characters the model who's also a photographer she shoots analog film nice uh, Hasselblad yeah you know I I really think it was important to me to first tell the story of, of clothes in a way that was approachable for all kids and really just showed them how the system works a little bit so that it's a little bit demystified and and makes it more accessible because if you realize there's a process behind it then it can't hoodwink you with its toxic marketing messages relative to again what you look like how you stack up against other people back to my whole point about empowering kids rather than fixing adults and so, you know, after writing it, I, I then about halfway through realized, oh, wait, okay, this is so much more than a wait. There's more books. There, okay, this is a thing. So I'm currently working on the next one, which is a little red kit, which is all about the world of soccer and soccer jerseys and the fact that, and, and navigating sportswear fashion through the lens of soccer kits and culture through the eyes of Leo, who is a soccer obsessed kid who has cerebral palsy like me. And best friends, Liam, who is able-bodied and is is a soccer star and he ends up going to our version of the premier league whose name i will not divulge because we're still working on uh, this whole fictitious <laughs> league that goes with it but so if i just say my favorite team on that league you'd think it's the little red mills it's not it's they're called the yarn ballers i just think it's a great name but uh, that's a good name that's a good name yarn ballers, yarn ballers and so the idea with that that it's the story of these two best friends and navigating allyship and bullying and all these other important lessons through, again, their shared love of fashion, even though most people who are into soccer don't always think they're into fashion. Sometimes people think this is the only definition of fashion. Again, big tent philosophy. Let's bring in kids who are into sports. Let's bring in kids who don't really think they're taking part in this global system that's the third most labor intensive behind agriculture and defense globally. You know, you are a part of it. And so, like, let's help kids reevaluate their relationship to clothing and fashion and these systems and these things and be conscious of where their clothes come from and why those soccer shirts were $2 and what's on the other side of that in approachable and age-appropriate ways. And so the idea is that we're filling a big resource gap that is a yeah. generation overdue. And <laughs> you just actually, I don't know, we, we were talking about that. I just kind of, it transported me back to childhood. So 
I, I honestly, I, I, mean, I, I don't have kids, so I don't know if this is a issue today or not. But like growing up for me, like the bullying I experienced was all because of fashion. It was the, you know, you didn't have the Tommy Hilfiger or the, you know, you didn't have the Nikes or you didn't have the, you know what I'm saying? It, it was, it was that type of bullying. I, I don't know. Is that prevalent today still? Like, is the, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's like name I brand type of in fashion as signifier of like socioeconomic status, which I think has always been, has always been a thing and will always be, be a thing in that way. You know, we're, or at least I, I've definitely always been focused, you know, on things through my lens as, uh, you know, a queer disabled Latin X man. So, you know, when I think of bullying, I think all forms of bullying are equally horrible in many ways, but the, you know, the ones I can speak to are the ones that I experienced, the ones that, you, you know, experience you can speak to. And I think the goal, especially with Little Red Kit, is really just to, show kids how to navigate those situations like how to stand stand up for your friend not necessarily to say you know this is a roadmap per se but to just show a situation where someone they can relate to as a character is going through being in that situation where you're standing there and there's the third party standing there and there's your friend standing there and the third party is maybe not being so nice to your friend and how are you going to handle that gotcha you know, i think what that. is that like you'd said very earlier on in this conversation, Michael, you were talking about how the pandemic had some positive effects in the way that TikTok and, you know, video production and the idea of cosplay kind of maybe forcibly, but in a great way, expanding to include all of these other kinds of makers. I think another kind of an offshoot of that particular development is that young people have been exposed in the last two and a half, almost three years to a lot of ideas and things that maybe they wouldn't have had the time or the space to do before. And we are at a very culturally shifting zeitgeist building sort of moment. And I'm an optimist and I believe that we could, as a culture, as a species, we could do anything. And I think we could choose to become better. And I think that the exposure online to things that none of us would have ever thought of kids going and just looking at a stack of TikTok reels and seeing, I don't know, everything from high fashion to Batman to how shoes are made, you know, maybe they'll positive. Maybe they can be a more inclusive, thought-minded, ruining my words right here. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like opportunity, things can be better. And children are better than adults, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. I, the, at least I mean, they're not honestly, so ruined this, yet. The, the main key is not being afraid of change and and looking forward i mean that that's honestly the main thing and i think that you know the, yeah, the society we live in we're, we're leading way towards the change is good we're always evolving and it's fine it's you know it, it's fine to find out what works or what doesn't work and stuff like that you still have that you know kind of old mindset of i don't like change and get off my lawn type, you know what i mean that type but all in all, I think that we're we're on the right track. We're exploring new avenues and and and, and the whole change. Yeah, so I, yeah, I get what you're saying. I do understand being a sheriff's deputy. But you probably see things in your day to day life that would shock and appall both of us and anyone listening. And that has to be a very strange contrast between the two kinds of work that you do. And in considering that, I'm so glad that you have a creative outlet like this. I would think it would help you. It and does. Help anyone. It is strange, but 
the thing is two things, I guess. Actually, a few things. One, one reason I'm very vocal about it is because I want to show, I want to show colleagues that it's okay to be yourself. Like, honestly, like in law enforcement, most people have a very positive, like, like, like hard, like positive A type personality where they have to be that, you know, that macho, put on that face, you know, yeah. But you, you, you don't have to be that way. Like you can be human, you know what I mean? And so I want to show that it's okay to show that side of yourself. However, on this flip side, I want to show like the public that there is a person behind the uniform. Like it is literally a job. It's not, you know, for a lot of people, it's not, it doesn't define us. It is, it literally is a job, whether you agree with the politics of it or not, that's something different, but there is a person behind here and, and we have the same interests as you. We're geeks just like you. We love fashion just like you. We love movies and music just like, you know. So there is a person behind it. So that's why I'm very vocal about, you know, about it. Is there a backlash? I mean, yeah. To be 100% honest with you, like, it's funny because anytime I will post a photo about work or, you know, a picture of me in a uniform like that, I lose a couple hundred followers, you know. and you know, it's like they, they follow me and they like what I've done for years, but then they just happen to see that post and automatically they're turned off. And that's fine. Like I said, again, that's the politics of it, whatever, that's fine. But again, I, I don't want to, I want to show that it's okay to be yourself. And I think that's what social media period is. I want people to, I wish people were more themselves and don't put on like a fake, you know, persona. Yeah, yeah, just be yourself, man. Like, it, you know, people are going to gravitate towards you or not. Don't, don't, don't fake it. One of the things that's really important to us as a company, when Jonathan first approached me about working together, this is one of the things we agreed on, which I think very much feeds into what you just said, which is the importance of demystifying, the importance of giving people access to language. And yes, we all speak English here, but if we all understand the definitions of the words that are involved in making a cosplay outfit or the words involved in explaining to a dressmaker what kind of ball gown you need or the words to describe how you feel and what that means when you're having a conversation with a friend who just hurt you on, you know, without meaning to having language makes it possible to explain things and know that we've been heard and if we can provide or assist kids or the adults who want to help them, because we're big on that too, to gain the, the ability to communicate better, then I think hopefully, you know, the right now and in the future, people can be more comfortable in the conversations like you're describing yeah. or be able to deal with the cognitive dissonance of enjoying someone's work in one place and maybe struggling with their own political identity in another part. And I think losing a couple hundred followers is probably more about those people's struggles with their beliefs and their absolutely I mean, honestly, it's it's naive to think that you know we're all going to agree on on things but to me it's not naive to think that at least we all can be empathetic to the like human experience that we all are going through this thing life you know and it, it, we like I said, we, yeah, we might not agree on a lot of things but we all are going through it. Something. I very firmly believe 
making things, doing something. I don't care if it's baking bread, gardening, digging holes to put a fence in your backyard. I think making stuff makes us better humans. It's it's not fashion related or anything, but like I said, like how cosplay is therapeutic. One of the things that I love doing, and people laugh at me, but I love to watch people eat because when people are eating, they're at their happiest. They're at their just most calmest. It's it's everyone has to eat, and when you're when you watch someone and they're eating something and they're enjoying it, nothing matters, man. It doesn't matter. Like they don't care about political stuff. They don't care about religious stuff. They don't. They care about nothing. It's just it's just a natural blissful moment. I just like watching people eat, and I don't know. It's. It's one of the, again, it's one of those things, like, everyone poops, everyone eats, you know, it's just, and, and when you're eating, you're, you're just at your happiest moment. I have a five-year-old daughter, and I can tell you there are very few things that I enjoy as much as watching her, like, really enjoy something that she's eating, and I, hopefully it's cultivated, maybe I'm lucky, but she likes all the vegetables, and seeing her pig out on like a platter full of raw vegetables and weird cheeses and just like yeah. grunt with enjoyment, yeah. I completely understand. And it's a common, and it's it a common, they're pure. It's, it's a pure thing. You know, pooping, eating, also getting dressed. You know, so <laughs> common thread experiences are the order of the day. You know, our job at Little Red Fashion is not poop related. It is. Pants related, thank God. But, but yes, yeah, absolutely. I'm wearing some very comfortable shoes on myself. That pants every day of the week. Well, being, I, I think anything that is one of those common thread experiences has infinite potential to be a conduit for understanding each other and building bridges rather than walls, and being able to, as Rachel said, you know, navigate in those instances of co- cognitive dissonance between the seemingly incongruent aspects of someone's work versus beliefs and this and that. I think if we all just got a little bit better at that and we all, you know, created as many things as we could to teach the next generation to be better at that, then we will solve a lot of problems over time. Not immediately, but over time. Uh, listen, I, you hit it the nail on the head again, man. Like, in the, in saying that reminded me of, like, I've been so lucky to literally travel the world because of cosplay. But the thing is, no matter where I go, even if I don't understand language, like we understand the symbol of my chest that I'm wearing. We understand, you know, whatever it is that that person is wearing. And we have that common and we can, you know, come together on that. And it, nothing else matters. And yeah, like, I guess fashion is the exact same way. Like you, you see something someone's wearing, you're like, oh my God, I love that. And it doesn't matter if you know the language or know anything. You come the together. Language, and the language of fashion is so powerful. Yeah, like you saw someone Brand, cosplaying man. Batman, but their cosplay was like all these crazy colors, but the same Batman you'd want to, that tells you something about them. That gives yeah. you a reason to who they are that they want to put forward. And that's what it's all about. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I'll just, I want to share one of my favorite stories real quick. And so it kind of correlates back into like the whole representation and, and, and it's okay to be who you are and, and, and so forth. But so I was doing a, a, it was a charity event and I was doing an anti-bullying assembly as Batman. And it was like 250 kids and I've done it before. No problem. So I did the event and a couple of weeks later, one of the jurors had contacted me. He was like, Hey, like, 
kids are still talking about you. They love you. There was one kid in particular that just kept saying, oh my God, like, like Batman was here and he's awesome. And he kept saying, I can be Batman now. Well, it was a predominantly white school. There was one black kid. He just kept saying, Batman looked like me. So that means I can be Batman. And he was so happy that Batman looked like him. It never occurred to me how much representation does matter until then. And and now, even more so, now I'm like, like, yeah, man, like, we need that. And, I mean, you take, like, Miles Morales, one of the most popular characters now, you know. I guarantee you, Michael Bendis probably saw maybe, like, a, a black Spider-Man cosplayer and just got the idea in his head. And so I, I really encourage people to cosplay different things and do different things because not only are you, you know, inspiring yourself and bring confidence to yourself, trust me, you're inspiring other people and you have no idea what they can do and bring to this world and just, it just kind of a snowball effect. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just no way around that. And I said this earlier, I've seen the photographs of children coming up to you with like awe and that is, it's powerful for a trillion reasons. I'm sure it feels amazing, first of all. I know what it looks like when a little kid like thinks you're the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> That's just great. But beyond that, there's like, there's all the people that are around, I'm sure, at a convention who see that, even if it's peripheral, even if it's background. And just having that kind of experience happen as many times as possible and in as many different places as possible. How could the world not be a kinder, better place with healthier adults that I don't have to talk to <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 I don't know, I can't help it. I, it's great. I think it's a great thing, and I love it. it and is. I'm thrilled you made this time for us. We try to keep yes, these little under so an hour, so we should probably wrap up. But you are lovely. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate you guys yes. giving me the opportunity, and this was fun. This was awesome. I'm so glad. We, we, it really, it's a lot of joy for us, and we know that the people who interact with us really get a lot out of it. And I'm thrilled. I know Jonathan is as well, that we can take your amazing powerful energy and desire to make the world better and use that to help children who might not have yes. the opportunity thank you so much to and thank you and to everyone who is listening on this episode of little red fashion podcast i can do that part of our little red village initiative i am jonathan joseph your fearless leader along with my comrade in arms rachel elspeth gross saucy fashion historian extraordinaire and our guest today night's mage who you should definitely be following on instagram if you are not already along with us which you definitely should be doing at little red fashion co and sign up for our mailing list or register for a webinar we have going on in april at littleredfashion.com thanks everyone that's a wrap for today visit us at littleredfashion.com where you can can find the show notes and transcripts of Little Red Village podcast episodes on the blog. And if you enjoyed it, give us a four-star review on whatever platform you're listening through. We're on a mission to empower the next generation and build a community of supportive fashion lovers, families, educators, and professionals like you to help creative kids thrive. Thanks for joining Jonathan and Rachel today. And remember, fashion is for everyone.